Blind Ambition by D.G. Laderoot, read by Jeannie Calvar. Tomo Sarai's hand trembled, and the sake he was pouring nearly splashed out of the delicate porcelain cup. Bayushi Kachiko politely ignored the near breach of decorum. My most profuse apologies, Bayushi Dono, he said, offering the decanter so she could pour for him. I fear age is rendering me less steady than I was in my youth. But my lord... You have learned so much in your years. I should be so lucky as to glean merely a fraction of your wisdom. She finished pouring for them both, but as she reached for his cup, her kimono slipped slightly, exposing just a hint of her throat and shoulder. Sarai tensed across the table, and they both picked up their cups. As they sipped in silence, Sarai, the Otomo family daimyo, glanced around Kachiko's audience chamber, taking in the stark decor. A shoji screen depicting sparse cherry blossoms. A wall hanging adorned with a quote from Bayushi's lies, The best mask is no mask at all, in scarlet ink under the scorpion mon. And a red face, in a mahogany side table holding a single white carnation. Even the lanterns cast a ruddy light through the room. Now, Otomodono, you wish to discuss something? Yes, I have some concerns regarding relations among the great clans. Kachiko nodded. The Otomo, one of the imperial families of Rokugan, existed to sow dissent among the clans preventing them from ever uniting against the emperor. Her next words were, therefore, exactly what Sarai was not expecting to hear. Ah, so you are concerned they have been overly strained? Sarai blinked. In truth, no. Relations among the crane, the dragon, the phoenix, and the unicorn seem to be growing ever more amicable. A coalition may be forming. Oh my, that is a concern. Yet I am certain you have already devised a way of ensuring such a thing does not come to pass. Sarai leaned forward. Indeed, Otomo spouses are married into each of these clans in relatively senior positions. Their influence shall lesser the likelihood of such coalition. The Emperor is lucky that you have such assets at your command, Sarai Dono, she said softly, using his first name to underscore her trust in, and desired familiarity with, the Otomo Lord. I know now to have the Scorpion come to you, should we ever need your help. Kachiko reached out and fractionally adjusted the vase holding the carnation, our time together means so much to me, Sarai Dono. A soft scratching at the door interrupted her. This must be urgent, she said, looking disappointed. When it comes to certain guests, 
I am to be disturbed only if it is absolutely essential. Frustration tightened Sarai's face, but he simply nodded. Of course, a matter urgent to the imperial adviser must be addressed without delay. Rising from the cushion, he bowed to Kachiko. Until our next meeting, Bayushidono. Kachiko stood and returned the bow with a smile. I look forward to it, Atomodono. Sarai gave a lingering look, then moved to the door and opened it. A man whose dark kimono bore the mon of the Shisoro family moved aside. He bowed deeply as Sarai departed, then entered and slid the door closed. Lady Bayushi, I come bearing important news, he said, loud enough for the Atomo to overhear, and bowed again. Kachiko corrected her kimono and glanced at the carnation. Takeru had been watching the flower surreptitiously, waiting for her to give the signal. She waited a few more moments to ensure that they were truly alone. I would hear your thoughts regarding Sarai, but I must prepare to meet with the Emperor this afternoon. Of course, my lady. However, there is one matter I believe I should bring to your attention now. You are my most trusted retainer, Takeru-san. Go on. Your confidence honors me, Bayushidono. Earlier today I had occasion to play go with my friend the esteemed unicorn ambassador, Ide Tadaji. His clan intends to petition the throne, proposing a new law declaring Toshirambo an imperial city. This would prevent further attacks on it by any clan lacking official imperial sanction. Interesting. And under what pretext? Concern for the common people of Toshirambo, who have been subjected to many years of conflict, the unicorn wish that suffering alleviated. How very compassionate of them. I assume the unicorns seek support from our clan? Indeed, Lady Bayushi, the unicorn ambassador claims significant support for this petition already, but the backing of the scorpion clan would be most beneficial. I bade him approach the Scorpion Clan champion regarding this matter. Kachiko nodded. Very well. Now, if that is all, I must prepare to meet our glorious emperor. Of course, my lady, Takeru said, bowing deeply. After he left, Kachiko lingered. She did have a great deal to do before meeting the emperor, but Takeru's report could change things. The unicorn concern for the welfare of Hyman's farmers was charming, but predictable. There undoubtedly was, however, more to it. She looked at the sake she had shared with Sarai. Relations among the crane, the dragon, the phoenix, and the unicorn seemed to be growing ever more amicable. The old man had been right in his assessment. Self-importantly irrelevant, but right nonetheless. There will, there will be, be no, no alliance, alliance of consequence, of consequence permitted between the crane and the unicorn, she'd told her husband when last they met in the Imperial Gardens. And yet, the unicorn were obviously trying to do something to benefit the crane, who currently held Toshirambo despite the best efforts of the lion to dislodge them. Under the unicorn's proposed law, crane control over the city, and their lasting claim to it, would be dramatically strengthened. What did the unicorns stand to gain from this? If Toshi Rambo was denied to them, 
the lion would likely deploy their full might against the unicorn out of sheer frustrated spite. Ah, of course. Shinjo Alton Sarnai's failed marriage with the lion would likely lead to war anyway. And while Crane military support would be useful to the unicorn, their support in the imperial court, mitigating the political scandal of the unicorn champion's broken betrothal, could be more potent than a whole legion of bushi. It would cost the crane some of their diminishing stock of political capital, but if it solidified their grip on Toshirambo, it would be worth it. Kachiko followed the strands of threat and opportunity, a spider's web of possibilities spinning outward from the unicorn petition. The unicorn at war with the lion, diverting their attention from the opium trade in Ryoko Waritoshi, the phoenix, infuriated by the unicorn's use of gaijin magic and bolstered by Asawa Kaede's marriage to their new champion, allying with the lion, weakening their current alliance with the crane. The crane, emboldened in the courts, growing their political influence. Doji Hitaru, her perfect face framed by delicate strands of white hair and lit by a bright smile, her hands in kachikos, strong but still warm and soft. Kachiko's eyes narrowed on the carnation. There will be no alliance of consequence permitted between the crane and the unicorn. Kachiko abruptly strode out of her audience chamber. A servant hovered near the entrance, waiting to clean the room. She stopped and gazed at the man, who knelt with his forehead pressed to the floor. The welfare of peasants, she snapped. Why did the unicorn even care? The servant said nothing, of course, and Kachiko continued on her way. Bayushi Kachiko paused outside the temple of Hante no Kami. She stood on a long bridge that rested on the shoulders of paired statues, each the likeness of a past emperor. Water lilies and lotus blossoms dotted the placid water below. Here in the Forbidden City, the imperial heart of Otisanuchi, there was none of the noise and bustle of the surrounding streets. Serenity enveloped the temple like a silken shroud, which was why the emperor used it to escape the simmery tension of the imperial court. Instead, it was her duty to bring the matters of the court to him, and pressing matters there were. Kachiko carried on, acknowledging the bows offered by the Sapun honor guard, the Miharu, flanking the temple's entrance. A young Mia attendant led her through the interior of the temple, which was a surprisingly small and sparse structure, considering its revered purpose. They stopped at a plain door, flanked by two more of the vigilant Miharu. The Mia slid the door open and stepped back. Kachiko entered and, in one smooth movement, dropped and touched her forehead to the polished floor. Rise, Bayushi Kachiko-san, a soft voice said, and join me for tea. Kachiko returned to her feet and faced the speaker, his august imperial majesty, Hante Thirty-Eighth, emperor of Rokugan. I am honored to do so, your majesty, she said, taking her place opposite the emperor at a small table set with a tea service and a game of go. As always, she was struck by the bare simplicity of the room. The table, a pair of comfortable cushions, and a trio of unadorned shoji screens. 
She understood the emperor was glad to escape the pomp and ceremony that surrounded his every movement, but this was barren even to her reserved tastes. Even the Hante's wardrobe was plain, a green kimono embroidered with the imperial chrysanthemum in gold. While a servant poured tea, she examined the go-board upon which a game was underway. Tell me, Bayushi-san, the emperor said, noting her interest. How do you believe this game will progress? Kachiko considered the arrangement of the stones. Assuming neither player makes an error, and the optimum placement of his stones, then, after he places his sixth stone, White will have an insurmountable lead. The emperor nodded. I quite agree. What do you have to tell me today, Bayushi-san? Kachiko began addressing various matters of the court with the emperor, all of them important, none of them vital. The emperor listened, occasionally commenting or asking questions, and then, if appropriate, rendering a decision. When she brought up the matter of lion and crane tensions around Toshirambo, and the death of the Lion Clan champion, Okoto Arasu, the emperor frowned. An unfortunate situation. It has already cost the lives of many loyal samurai. Kachiko waited for the emperor to go on, and he did, but to other matters. The unicorn petition could be pressing, but she wasn't prepared to bring it to the emperor's attention. Not until she had discussed it with Shoju. They continued their discussion, and Kachiko studied the emperor as though she were looking at him for the first time. The man had occupied the chrysanthemum throne for almost as long as she'd been alive. He was, by definition, divine, a scion of Tengoku, the celestial heavens. He could trace his lineage to Lady Sun herself. For all her pragmatism, Kachiko had never doubted this. But for the second time today, her thoughts returned to her conversation with Shoju in the gardens, after he had mentioned the Kami Hante, the first emperor. Many, Many Hante, Hante emperors, emperors had come and gone, gone in the meantime. meantime. None, None have enjoyed the favor of heaven as clearly as the first. And this one, the 38th, Shoju had stopped her, preventing her from saying what she had been meaning to. This one, the 38th, might have lost the favor of heaven entirely. Blasphemy, treason, and yet, if this emperor was infused with the righteous power of Tengoku, why was he drawn and tired? His hair fading to gray, his eyesight failing such that documents had to be written in ever larger script. Is there more, Bayushi-san? Kachiko realized silence had fallen and looked thoughtful. Yes, your majesty. Yasuki Takadono has requested a private audience with you. He advocates for more imperial support for the Crab Clan to bolster their defense on the carpenter wall. The emperor sighed. He will prattle on about jade and rice and sending imperial legions. Can we not simply accede to his request? We could, your majesty, if not for shortages throughout the empire. The crane, who normally have ample surpluses of rice, continue to struggle with the damage done by the tsunami to their fields. Their lack leaves no buffer against more far-reaching scarcity. And as for jade, 
Existing mines are near exhaustion, while no new ones have been found to replace them. The Emperor's frown hardened. This This one, one, the 38th, 38th, might have have lost lost the favor of heaven heaven entirely. entirely. What do you suggest I tell him, then? The Emperor asked at last. Kachiko considered the question, but the politician in her saw an opportunity. If I may suggest, Your Majesty, the Yasuki Lord could meet with your surrogate regarding this, sparing your having to deal with such specific matters. I would suggest Kakita Yoshidono. Meeting with the Imperial Chancellor attaches the weight of the Imperial Court to the issue. Kachiko waited. The weight of the Imperial Court would mean nothing to Taka, who would just be angry that he wasn't meeting with the Emperor himself. But if there was no good news to offer, it might as well be Yoshi who said so. And anything that kept the Chancellor busy left him less likely to interfere in other matters. Very well, the Emperor said. The Chancellor shall meet with Taka. Is there anything else? Yes, Your Majesty, she said. The final matter is that of the Emerald Champion. Yes, Bayushi showed you touched on the matter as we dined last evening. This was our game of go. The Emperor gave Kachiko a keen look. He was playing white. Was the Emperor annoyed by the game? She would need to shape her next words accordingly. Before she could respond, he waved a dismissive hand. I have become quite used to Shoju defeating me, my lady. As for the Emerald Champion, that is a grave affair. His funeral procession will not be forgotten any time soon. Indeed, the whole of the Empire still mourns his loss, but I am referring to the Emerald Championship itself. The office must be filled as soon as possible. There are too many contentious issues affecting the Empire to leave it empty. This is much what Shouju said. He and I are of similar mind. Accordingly, I recommend that you appoint a new Emerald Champion immediately, filling the office in an acting capacity, until the customary tournament can be held to determine the permanent incumbent. I further recommend that Bayushi Aramoro, the esteemed brother of Bayushi Shouju, be appointed to the role. You recommend a scorpion? How surprising. Kachiko offered a self-deprecating smile. I realize it hardly seems an unbiased choice. However, the scorpion are, thank the fortunes, not currently embroiled in the complex and demanding issues distracting the other clans. The crab need every soldier on the wall. The lion and the crane are consumed by their disagreement over Toshirambo, and they should resolve that before attempting to adopt an empire-wide outlook. Haramoro, on the other hand, would bring the broad perspective and objectivity the position demands. It is unusual to appoint a new Emerald Champion. The custom is to fill the role through the tournament. Unusual, but not unprecedented, Hante Third, may he bask in the glory of heaven forever, did so. Admittedly, the circumstances were different. The incumbent committed seppuku in protest. 
dying by his own hand rather than carrying out an execution. But the need of the empire was no greater than it is now, and perhaps even less. The emperor stared at the go-board. Kachiko waited, her gaze also on the game. Many considered Go an exercise in martial thinking, but to Kachiko, the game more closely described the behavior of people. Knowing the two players of this one as well as she did, she could readily predict the game's likely outcome. Just as Shoju was six stones from victory, her own experience with the Hante told her that her succession of courtly moves should lead to Aramoro being named Emerald Champion and once he held that position in an acting capacity, it shouldn't be difficult to have it become permanent. No. Kachiko looked up from the game. No, the emperor repeated. The new emerald champion will be selected by the customary tournament, not by appointment. You may inform the esteemed imperial herald to undertake the necessary preparations. Kachiko stared almost shook her head. Assuming, Assuming neither, neither player, player made, made an error, error and, the and the optimate placement, placement of his, his stones, stones, this was not. Do you have any questions, Bayushi-san? Kachiko's mind raced through a dozen scenarios. At last she said, I do not, Your Majesty. Your wisdom, your will. As she departed the temple of Hante no Kami, Kachiko paused again on the bridge. She didn't look at the flowering plants or the placid water this time. Instead, she looked at the statues supporting the sweeping arc of the bridge. Eighteen pairs of them, the first thirty-six Hante emperors of Rokugan. When the current emperor died, the bridge would be redesigned to accommodate his likeness and that of his father and predecessor. I am, I am referring, referring to the Emerald, Emerald Championship, Championship itself. itself. The, the office must be filled as soon as possible. There are there too are many, many contentious issues, issues affecting the Empire to leave it empty. But that was exactly what the Emperor had chosen to do. He'd made an entirely unexpected move, an uncharacteristic one, an error even, throwing the game into chaos. She needed to consider her own move in response. For a moment, Kachiko looked at the place where the statue of Hante, the 38th, would stand once he was dead. Then she turned and started back to the Imperial Palace, her pace measured but determined. Determined.